Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? You're looking marvelous. Well, at the risk of my career, I am using a uh, little bit upgraded camera, but I feel like I've got a little bit of lag here. So A smidge. We'll get the team. We'll get the team on it, and we'll make the, the modifications. We're kind of uh, testing the jet as we build the jet. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're build, building the plane as we fly it. That's right. It looks great, though, but great to have you back. We were talking yeah, about some of your travels pre-show, Chicago to Wichita to West Virginia. It and- doesn't feel like it's been a, been that long that, you know, that all of this travel. But, it, it, you know, in the month of June, for all intents and purposes, eight states in, in a month. Man. So. And, and a book to write about it, which comes out by HarperCollins come November 1st. Is that right, Greg? Uh, as long as, as long as Kelly Barner is writing it. Yeah. (laughs) Only kidding. But lots of great stories, lots of great food and lots of great, uh, entrepreneurs met along the way. More to come on all of that. But today, a lot of getting, by the way, sorry, Scott, a lot of getting what is going on in the ground around the country. And it is fascinating versus what we're hearing, what is truly happening. And, And so much that we're not hearing about that is happening as well. Excellent. Excellent point. Tons of good news. If you go looking for it, tons of great people, great stories, great businesses, fighting a good fight and growing and winning. And that's, I love, I love that, you know, all of that and more that you cover on Tequila Sunrise, which comes back uh, starting in early August. So y'all look for that. Okay. But today it's about the one and only Mike Griswold. As we continue our series here where we feature, it's all about supply chain today and tomorrow with Mike Griswold from Gartner, one of our most popular series. Mike, I think, you know, Greg, we've got several nicknames, I think, from Mike Griswold. We were talking Tombstone pre-show. Yes. But we, but we already have a – we already have a um, – who's the guy that says I'm your Huckleberry? Doc Holliday? Is that yeah. – you mean the character or the actor? Yeah. No, we already have a Doc Holliday of supply chain. That's true. Uh, so Mike has a similar championship belt, and, and his voice and how he dives into the topics in a way that – Anyone can understand. He's got quite a track record, so we look forward to hear some of his perspective today. And Greg, today, speaking of Tombstone, we have a really special theme. We're going to be talking about Hollywood classics and examining some movies that are really playing out today across global supply chains. It's going to be really fun, right? Right. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the lessons we can learn from Hollywood. That's right. And including one of Greg's favorites, which um, um, it'll be the first time we ask him about it in front of the camera. So stay tuned. But hey, quick programming before we get going here today. We've got two great sessions coming up we want to share with everybody. One you may have heard of if you joined us for a previous live stream. So July 27th, we're going to be talking about, of course, digital transformation, how it accelerates and strengthens. My favorite's that latter. Strengthens your supply chain. We're going to be Kevin and I will be featuring our friends from Esker and Texas Christian University, home of the Horn Frogs, July 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So join us for that. And then, Greg, I'd love for you to elaborate. Our newest scheduled webinar is going to be featuring one of Amanda's favorite companies, 
Quip always reminds me of Family Guy, that Family Guy episode. Quip. Greg, uh, what, <laughs> what, what are some of the things we're going to talk about here? On well, this we're going to talk about oral hygiene for starters because this is a really cool, this DTC brand is this really cool uh, toothbrush that helps you do what your mother used to stand over you and, and make you do, which is brush your teeth in the appropriate direction and for the right amount of time. But, you know, started as a, as a direct to commerce brand. This is not something you could start out buying at Target or Walmart or, or wherever. They marketed it on social media. They have distributed it directly and they have done a tremendous amount of tremendous amount of growth just from the uh, preliminary discussions we've had with them and, you know, and how they've used advanced technology to help them get there. And, you know, I think the cool thing about this is there's a lot that traditional retail can learn from this DTC effort about e-commerce, frankly, about merchandising and about a topic, Scott, you and I have been talking about for the last couple of days about the retail world and the future of the retail world, things like skew rationalization and e-commerce and, and, you know, the various models that are necessary today in retail. Yes. So join us for a really cool quip story on August 18th at 12 in Eastern time. Sorry, Greg, I could not, I couldn't turn it down, but great company story. And it's always cool. It's always cool, Greg, to have experience with uh, a company as a consumer and then to kind of dive into the business story and share that with our global community here. So, so y'all join us August 18th. The link is in the show notes. Some people may even buy some toothbrushes from it. You never know. So. <laughs> At least learn about how to brush your teeth. Right. right. So speaking of those said people, uh, one of our really the equally stars of the show, we got Mike Griswold, of course, we're bringing him on in just a moment, but we've got all the folks in cheap seats. Uh, we're going to hear a ton of goodness from them. Trinitas I think we should call it the loge level. Don't you oh, think? Nice. Or, or the luxury boxes. Yes. I'd, I'd love to hear the, I'd love to hear the, the groups, <laughs> the sky boxes. I love yeah, the sky boxes. There you go. <laughs> Trinavis, welcome. He's tuned in via LinkedIn from India. Hope this finds you well. Look forward to your commentary throughout. Hey, Kim, is it Reuter or Reuter? I get Reuter. this wrong. Reuter. Reuter is back with us. E commerce, been there, done that. Uh, Kim, welcome. We enjoyed your yeah, podcast. She needs to tune into this alloy thing. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I'd love to hear what she has to say about that. Hope this finds you well, Kim. Sushil tuned in via LinkedIn. He says, good evening, everyone. Hey, Sushil, tell us where are you dialed in from? What part? Yeah, of the world? thanks for staying up late. Appreciate it. Definitely. Definitely. Let's see here. Uh, Raghwindra, hello. Via, tuned in via LinkedIn. Uh, welcome. Look forward to hearing your POV here today. Kavan is with us. Now, Greg, Kavan joined our supply chain chow community and he's been dropping it. He dropped a picture of, of a, of a recipe earlier today, Amanda, you'll have to find the name of it, but Kavan welcome. And other than your culinary exploits, look forward to your supply chain perspective today. Big show. Bob Bova is with there us. He is. Welcome via Facebook. Pafithra. Hello via LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. Let us know where you're tuned in from. I want to drop down here to Peter Bolay's comment here, Greg, before we bring Michael on. Peter Bollet, all night and all day, says he received his pension statement in the mail yesterday. It's fully funded at 117%, and his TFSA tax-free savings accounts are up a huge 4% in the last month. Peter is putting some information out there. Peter, I hope you don't. You might get some extra. Yeah, uh, that's like telling people you won the lottery. <laughs> right. uh, let's talk offline, Peter. 
I, but Peter, getting aside, hey, great to have you. I, I had a you really know. great business idea. <laughs> Love to hear your perspective during these and your sense of humor. So great to have you. Okay. So, oh, by the way, uh, Bob Bova says the mezzanine. That might be the one that sticks. The mezzanine instead of the cheap oh, seats. Oh, yeah, for the seats. Yes. I like but it. hey, moving right along. So welcome everybody, including all the folks that we couldn't we couldn't get in. We look forward to hearing your perspective throughout this conversation. Want to welcome in though, Greg, our featured guest here today, Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. How you doing? Hey, I'm all right, guys. Thanks. Good to talk to you. And it's hard to follow the toothbrush conversation, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, I know that you have impeccable oral hygiene, so you know. Present company excluded, there are some people that probably use that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That is right. Hey, really quick, want to say hello to Artur uh, via LinkedIn. He's tuned in from Poland. Welcome. I think this might be your first live stream. Looking forward to your perspective here today, Artur. Okay. in Poland, by the way. Beautiful. Amazing country. Mm, excellent. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so Mike, great to have you back. Uh, I think last time you spent the hour with Greg and Corinne. Uh, so I hate to bring the educational quotient down a couple degrees, but here I am. Um, but let's talk about, so today is national dive bar day, Mike. I didn't know there was such a thing, but we all have our favorite dive bars probably. So since it's national dive bar day, Mike, what's been one of your favorites, you know, whether it's sooner or later in your journey, what, what's one of your faves? Yeah, probably sooner. So I grew up in Western New York, about 15 minutes from a state university, Geneseo, and it was a it was a pure college town. So back way back when, most of your audience won't even probably know this, the drinking age was only 18. So my friends and I would take a, a road trip into Geneseo. There were three or four of your typical college bars. Our favorite was a place called Gentleman Jim's which had no cover charge, pictures of kamikazes, and there was usually oh a band. Gosh. So, yeah, this was a long time ago, a long time ago. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Greg, I want to ask kamikazes. <laughs> yeah. That's dangerous. We didn't know yours. any better. <laughs> we never do, though, do we? No. Um, no. Greg, I don't get yours next, but I got to put in a, uh, a plug there for, and I don't, I don't know if it's a dive bar or not, but it was to us, Sneaky Pete's in New Orleans the last time we were there with – uh, my in-laws and Amanda's laughing behind the scenes that they might as well have had pictures of kamikazes there, Mike, cause it did a lot of damage to us, but it was, it was a wonderful time. Greg, what about your favorite dive bar? So my current favorite is Northside Tavern in Atlanta, Georgia, which is just my opinion. One of the greatest ways to experience the diversity of the world, blues music. Last band I saw there played literally on blues music on 50s instruments, real, actual 50s instruments. Their guitar player was 17 years old. There were hipsters. There were geezers. There were, you know, business persons. There was every every manner of person you can imagine. Chiefs fans and Raiders fans. That got a little bit dangerous. But other than that, great place to be. And then the spot in Wichita, Kansas, which every year, first of all, I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan playing there. Solo sitting on a bar stool in a place not much bigger than most people's living room. And they had a party every year called Tornado Bait, where they got on the, it's in Kansas, of course, (laughs) where they got on the roof and did this ritual summoning of tornadoes to try to draw tornadoes in. Wow. Well, there was, there was maybe a beverage or two involved before that. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, hey, before we shift over to talk golf, and, and I, I pass baton to Greg, I want to say hello to Jordan Becker, tuned in via LinkedIn from Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Jordan. Look forward to your POV. Peter says, kamikaze pitchers. Yikes. <laughs> Bob Bova. Sir, <laughs> Syracuse University, class of 81. The orange, the best dive bar. And finally, yes, yes, Amanda, Scott's jukebox tunes are still playing at stinky Pete's. that's what twenty dollars gets you in it has a jukebox man that yeah. that is a throwback yes that and plenty of stories but greg save that for another time let's yeah. talk golf well it's summer right and mike for anyone who doesn't know mike is not only one of the most avid golfers that you'll ever meet but he's one of the best that you will ever meet and uh mike and i have proudly taken a few bones hmm. off of off of one or two of our uh, colleagues over the years, and he's taken a few off of me as well. So <laughs> since since the Open Championship is coming up, I got to ask two things. One, what what do you think? Who's your favorite going into that? So I, I, a couple of thoughts on that, Greg. So one is I don't think the winner, I don't think it will be a first-time major winner. So I think the winner is going to be someone who has won a major before. I'm leaning towards uh, Jordan Spieth. I think his game is rounded into form. And the other person I like who has had, we'd be talking about him a lot more over the summer with the exception of like three bad swings. And that's Louis Ustazen. Mm. He has played really well. If you were to take out the match play where he had a bad swing, he had a bad swing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's he's playing really well. It would not surprise me if he is uh, in the last or second to last group on Sunday. He has been hitting it really, really yes. well. It's pretty impressive. All right. And then this, I got to, I don't know if it's real or it's uh, Memorex, but this, Brooks Kepka and DeChambeau feud. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's. I probably have a different take, Greg, because you know, I. It was funny at first. Now it's just it's just old. And you know, I I like them both a lot as golfers, Kepka and um, and Bryson. I think Kepka just needs to stop now. I, I don't find it funny anymore. The the decision for Bryson and his caddy to part ways is a pretty serious decision to make light of it and call, you know, tweet immediately. It's caddy appreciation day. I, I didn't think that was appropriate. So some people think it's good for golf. I think people that like golf don't care about that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I think it is going to continue until someone in a more senior golf position like Phil, if yeah, Phil were to no, come out no, and say enough is enough, it would stop. Yeah. If, you know, if Tiger was still around and Tiger would say, hey, enough is enough, it would stop. The PGA is not going to get involved. I don't know that the two of them can stop themselves, although Bryson seems to show a lot more restraint. Um, for me, it's just old and I'm tired of it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, man, it, let, let's have the PGA golf world bring us together and focus on yes. the important things rather than the the, the trivial matters. Um, yes. We okay. don't need faux breakups like Hollywood. <laughs> Right. Right. right, 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 Greg. Very nicely put and perfect segue. But before we talk about Tinseltown and what it has in common with global supply chain, I want to point out a couple. Uh, LA, appreciate that. LA uh, loved what you shared, uh, I believe, earlier on supply chain, Chow. So thanks for welcoming us back, and we look forward to your POV on on supply chain here today. And then I also wanted to call out Rhonda, Doctor 
Bumpenza Zimmerman. We missed you last week, too. Great to have you back. And finally, Kelly Barner, host of Dial P for Procurement, is here with us. Supply Chain Now, she says, the only place to hear entrepreneurs and gardener <laughs> analysts talk about dive bars. How about that? That's probably true. <laughs> That's, That's probably well, true. There's, there's a book title for you, Dive yeah. Bars and Supply Chain. Yeah. You know, there's that drunk history show. <laughs> Maybe we ought to try a drunk supply chain. Yeah. Go. Maybe so. There's a show for everybody. But Tinseltown, Hollywood, who would have yeah. thunk, Greg and Mike, who would have thunk that Tinseltowns would have so much in common with global supply chain these days? So well, don't worry. We're going to make the connection. It, it's right there. Trust me. I want to start with one of our favorite phrases around here, Mike, which is, hey, looks like we're going to need a bigger boat. We'd yeah. love that, right? Because it really speaks... The way we look at it, it speaks to growth. And as entrepreneurs and founders, of course, that's really important. And it's great. It's a great problem to have to need a bigger boat. But of course, it comes from Jaws, right? Jaws, I think it was published in 1974. I can't believe that. It's been that long ago. But Mike, how does, hey, we need a bigger boat apply to SNOP in global supply chain? Yeah, this, you know, when I when I threw this idea out to you guys, I'm glad you decided to run with it. I, I've been thinking about trying to write a research note, you know, to bring a little levity to the summertime around the supply chain. And yeah, I've, I've been thinking about Hollywood in the movies. I'm, I'm a big movie guy. Uh, I like movie quotes. And that one has always resonated with me. You know, the scene, if, if you recall the scene, the Roy Scheider character is chumming water at the back of the boat. All of a sudden, the shark appears and he, he kind of staggers into Quint and says, you know, I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. To me, when, when I think about that line and I think about kind of where they are in the movie, right, it's all about uh, how do you al align planning and execution? And that, to me, is the heart of what we're trying to do in sales and operations planning, is we want to align planning and execution. If you think about kind of how they got to that point in the movie, basically, Quint is is running his fingers down the chalkboard to get the, the council's attention. He's got this crude picture of a boat and a shark that as it turns out, was not actually drawn to scale. Right. And, and they, they basically just head out, you know, full speed ahead out into the ocean to try to, to take care of this shark. So there wasn't a whole lot of planning. And then the execution component, I think, was interesting because of the way their approach to getting the shark, you know, evolved, right? We're going we're gonna to harpoon it with a barrel. Right. And then we need a second barrel. And then we need a third barrel. And then it's like, well, have you ever seen a shark take a barrel under the water? So the whole evolution of planning kind of happened on the fly, right? They, they, they tried some things. They didn't work. They tried some other things. They didn't work. And to me, that sums up what are we trying to do in sales and operations planning? We have a plan. We want to try to execute it. But we always have to have in the back of our mind, how are we going to adapt? And how are we going to evolve the execution? Because the other thing, you know, I think, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the, in the second movie that we talk about, you can't plan for everything. You can do your best to plan to the best of your ability and have a plan in place. Yep. But you also have to be able to execute. And that's why, to me, that that part of that movie, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat, sums up, you know, what we experience in SNOP. Greg. I think, you know, I think probably the greatest lesson I ever got in supply chain was this. 
the best way to approach supply chain is assume that everyone will fail you and provision for that. And, and to the point, Mike, that you're making, they assumed that everything they tried was going to work until they realized it wouldn't. Right. And then they started creating secondary plans. And I think that realization, we're going to need a bigger boat, was the realization so many companies came to that they had no idea how to solve the problems that they had been hit with. And frankly, nobody did and nobody could have. I want to remind people that as we continue to complain about and talk about the necessity of improving supply chain, we literally stopped global commerce on a dime. Overnight, shut down all of the economies of the world. Then to, to try to restart them, we motivated people to stay home and collect money rather than go back to work. And now some of that was, of course, for good purpose. I think we let it go on too long. But nonetheless, we have been adapting and, and politicians and at global commerce pr participants and, and supply chain professionals in and out of commerce have been evolving. And I think that's an important thing for us to understand. But as you said, you can't plan for everything, but you can plan for what's likely to happen and to at least have emergency procedures available for when the unexpected does happen. And I think there were too many companies, Mike, that were caught on the back foot because they did not have emergency procedures uh, in place. And frankly, a lot of them had the wrong perspective of supply chain to begin with as a cost-saving exercise rather than right. a risk-balancing exercise. Well, think about, I mean, that's a great point, Greg. The other thing that, that strikes me, and, and I see this a lot when I talk to companies, is you know, think about in that part of the movie, where were they when they recognized they're going to need a bigger boat? They're, they're in the middle of the ocean. Right. So, so a bigger boat isn't coming. Right. So you, you have two choices. You can lament the fact that you don't have a big enough boat and you can kind of, you know, what we sometimes refer to as gardeners, you can admire the problem that, hey, we don't have a bigger boat. Or you can do what they did out of necessity is you can start to figure out what are we going to do with the boat we have. Right. And I think we think about supply chains today. You know, there are always things that you can lament about your current supply chain, right? I, I wish I had a better demand signal. I wish I had more reliable suppliers. The fact is, of the matter is some of that you can change and some of that you can't. And some of that you can't change in the near term. So right. you have two choices. You can either figure out how to work with what you got and try to make your supply chain better with what you have. Or you can lament about the fact that we don't have the supply chain that we want. And frankly, that will not get you anywhere. So to me, that was the other message around that little part of the movie is, you know, you're going to get dealt certain hands and how you react to that is completely up to you. Mm -hmm. Well said, both of you. I, I would just add as in one last little period to this segment about Jaws is that even Quinn in that quintessential role oh. as that grizzled... Is <laughs> that grizzled fisherman captain of the boat? You know, he's seen everything. Even he hadn't seen Jaws, right? And the problem he had. And and there's parallels to the, the current pandemic, right? Even the folks that have been there and done that, they didn't have all the solutions. Right. And they were seeing some new things. So I know we've been referring to a lot of what we've seen as a black swan. Maybe we've got to adjust that to the great 
white shark, uh, that we're seeing sharks out there across global business. But uh, I love, I love Mike, that you shared uh, the Jaws. You and, you and Greg both shared the Jaws uh, takeaways and, and business analogies. There's plenty there and plenty that we can't get, get to here today. I want to share a couple comments before we go to our next Hollywood uh, comparison. So first off, uh, let's get to the heavy hitting, heavy hitting questions in the stream. Hey, Charles Heater needs a good scotch recommend recommendation. So we'll, we'll maybe drop that in the comments. He's gotten a few responses in the comments. Yeah, Charles. Main question is everyday scotch or special occasion scotch. <laughs> and Mike, I want to say when we talked about favorite adult beverages uh, a few shows back, I think this was one of yours, right, Mike? Yes. So if you do you have a, a off the top of your head great recommendation real quick? It, there's a local one here called Seven Devils. That's my kind of go-to one. Really? Uh, it's it, yeah. In Idaho we have we have wineries and then a couple of the wineries have turned into into distilleries as well. So there there is a good local whiskey here. Wonderful. Seven Devils. We'll, we'll make a note of that, Charles, but great to have you here and look forward to your POV. Raul is tuned in via LinkedIn from Panama. Welcome, Raul. Great to have you here today. I see Azalea Davis is with us. I owe a reconnect call with you. Hope this finds you well up in West Virginia. Azalea, got to Muriel's on your, on your recommendation. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Peter Bole says Patch Adams with the amazing, amazing Robin Williams agreed. One of his favorite movies. And he even writes about it probably in a similar type conversation. So y'all check that out. And then Charles Heater also says supply chain can go hero <laughs> to zero based on the uh, ability to adapt. That is an excellent point there, Charles. Well, yeah, but I, I got to tell you, even having the opportunity at Hero is much better than supply chain was when all of us started in supply chain. <laughs> excellent point. We were basically zero and below, right? <laughs> right. Excellent. When I started in supply chain, the main question was, how have you screwed the company today? <laughs> Ahmed is tuned in uh, via LinkedIn from Nigeria. Great to have you here, Ahmed. Look forward to yeah. your contributions. Okay, so moving right along. So Jaws was the first Hollywood classic that we're going to be examining across global supply chain. A few years after Jaws was released, I had to go back and look at, at uh, Wikipedia on this, uh, a movie entitled A Bridge Too Far, which is a common phrase in, right. in many business conversations, right? Well, of course, it was a movie. It was focused on World War II, and it had a truly star-studded cast. Mike, in global supply chain terms, though, you know that same phrase, a bridge too far, might be more relevant today than ever before. Please, please tell us more. Yes. So I'm a, we probably haven't talked about this much. I'm a big military history guy, particularly around World War II. And you're exactly right. The, the movie, if you haven't seen it, it's a bit long, but it's well worth it. It has, in no particular order... Sean Connery, Anthony Hopkins, Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill, Michael Caine, the list goes on. So yeah. it, 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 it was probably at the time one of the more expensive movies to make just because of the people that were in it. The quick context of this is th this, this is about an operation called Operation Market Garden. September 1944, the big plan was we want to create a northern invasion uh, opportunity into Germany. We want to end the war by Christmas 1944. That's the goal. It has two components, Operation uh, Market, which is an airborne uh, drop of paratroopers. It, it was the largest airborne operation of World War II. Then the garden component is an army advancement. The goal is to capture nine bridges in Germany. The last one in a town called Arnhem, 
which was going to cross the Rhine, which would allow us to go from Belgium into northern Germany and, again, try to end the war by the Christmas time of 1944. And obviously, if you know World War II, that didn't happen. So this was the brainchild of, of um, Montgomery, right? He was basically our Eisenhower. He was the leader of the British forces. This was his plan. Everyone went along with it knowing that it had very little chance of success. The coordination of dropping this many paratroopers and securing nine bridges and timing it so that the bridges would be secure so that the army could roll through, control all these bridges, and be able to set up the, the launching point to invade Germany. If you were to ask anyone other than, Mon than Montgomery, this was not going to happen. However, because of the relationships and things like that, the operation went ahead and basically got stalled in this town called Arnhem. So the lesson that I take from that is, is a couple things, is being much more mindful of the goals that you set for your supply chain, much more identifying the problem that you're trying to solve. The problem they were trying to solve was we want to end the war by the by Christmas time. That was the problem. Mm. This was not necessarily the way to go about it. The goals were way too audacious. I'm I'm all for setting those stretch goals. This was well beyond a stretch target trying to secure and coordinate the 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 acquiring of these nine bridges. And you need to foster an environment in your organization where people are comfortable saying, this is not gonna work. And part of the dynamic, certainly in the military, is you have to be careful when you raise those, right? Because they, they could be career limiting types of discussions in the military. And my sense is they can still be career limiting discussions in civilian life. But the ramifications of not raising those concerns, you know, can be catastrophic. I mean, by all accounts, even the most optimistic person would have to say Operation Market Garden in its entirety was a failure yeah. because what the objective was didn't happen, right? The war went until 1940, to April of May of 1945. We had the big issue, the Battle of the Bulge in December, partly because this, this operation failed. You hear this idea of a bridge too far, Scott, to your point. I mean, it's uttered all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And it happens because organizations don't have mechanisms where they can challenge some of these ideas. There isn't an environment where it's okay to talk about what might be the ramification if this doesn't work and you know, kind of what are we signing up for? And, and to Greg, to your earlier point, what are all the things that have to happen perfectly? If someone were to have taken a step back and said, okay, the odds of us timing the securing of all these bridges at the same time, the army's going to come through and can hold the bridge. Because here's what's happening. You're dropping like 200 soldiers right. into Germany to, to, to take the a, to, behind the lines to take a bridge. Those 200 people can hold the bridge for only so long. Right? right, and if the army doesn't get there, the bridge is going to fall, and that's what happened at the last bridge in Arnhem. That was, in uh, in all essence, the the bridge in Arnhem was the bridge too far. The British landed there; they held it for about three days, but the reinforcements never got there. So, mm -hmm. it's about managing expectations. Is my biggest takeaway from that movie. I, I love that, and Greg, I, I want yeah. to get your comment, but one quick comment before. 
we get Greg's take is one of the many takeaways from what you just described there, Mike, is the the need for um, a lot of conversations and POV and, and diversity of thought in the room, right? Because you're going to have a wide yes. uh, array of personalities, including you know, in the C-suite or the whole team or you name it, any organization, any team. Some are going to be highly optimistic so much that their feet are off the ground. You got to have folks that, that bring that practical, uh, okay, I love your optimism, but what if a, B, C, D all happen and those dominoes fall. In this case, Mike, you're talking about a bridge that can only be held so long, then it becomes a disaster. Uh, right. So, but Greg, what's your, what, what's some of what you heard there from Mike? Well, I mean, it, to me, this, the big lesson for me, and I studied this only in school, but the big lesson for me in this was that this was the equivalent of the old boy network in England that even got this considered. Montgomery, because of his connections and his relationships, which we often tout in business, got this through. And I think one of the things we have to recognize is that there is a double-edged sword to relationships. If you allow the relationships to drive the decision or too heavily influence the decision, that's a severe problem. And that's precisely what happened in this case. People who knew better were either afraid to question or they didn't question out of deference or they didn't question because Montgomery held something over them, right? Or they owed him something. Right. And you can never let that happen. Lives are at stake. And, you know, the lives in, in the case of supply chain and global commerce, the lives, livelihoods of your customers and of your workers are at stake. And to understand, because there are lots of people who say it's all about relationship and it, isn't all about relationship. Relationship is a big part of it, but that relationship must be business focused when business is at stake. And it's really hard to draw that line. I'm, I acknowledge that. It is really hard to draw that line. But we're not here to sustain personal relationships. We are here to earn companies money, to make consumers happy, to, to build companies into growth. Right. And the relationship can at the point that it hinders that it has to fall to the wayside. Mm. And that that to me was the big, big lesson here. Just too much power consolidated in too incompetent a person with a whole bunch of connections. Greg, one of the things I hear you say there without saying it is, you know, we can like a lot of suppliers, we can like a lot of supply and chain partners, all of that, and have a great relationship. But if it doesn't get the job done, we've got to be discerning and judicious enough to to find alternative means and alternative partners, right? We can even like our own people right. a whole lot. And, and ha- you can maintain a good personal relationship while firing someone. I've done Yeah, uh, yeah I <laughs> You, ahead, you, you, you raise a great point. I think the other dynamic, if I bring it back into, into today's global environment, today's in, environment, I think there, there's also a cultural element to this. There are cultures that are very hierarchical, meaning you know, my boss is my boss, therefore I'm not going to challenge him. You and, question, right. and I think it's important for, for multinational companies to recognize that and acknowledge that and figure out how you deal with that. Because in an environment like that, you know, you could probably pitch almost any idea and out of deference and out of culture, you know, they're not going to tell you your baby is ugly. Yeah. So it, 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 to me, it's just, 
it, the nature, and you saw some of that in this particular instance, right? You had some of the the the, the British monarchy hierarchical type of arrangement. No one was going to challenge Montgomery. The fact that Eisenhower didn't think it was a great idea. He already had his own tension with Montgomery. You know, Churchill felt like he needed to back his guy, which was Montgomery, even if he didn't think it was going to work. Right. And FDR was just kind of FDR. So culturally, I think organizations in today's environment need need to be aware of this and need to put that into their own heads as they're thinking about how they're talking to, 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 uh, to people within the organization. And just because you don't get resistance doesn't mean people don't think there should be resistance, right? Mm. So how do you foster that environment where it is okay to, to raise those questions and to challenge? That to me is, is, is the big challenge. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I want to share a couple of comments here. Peter Bole says, totally agree, Mike, having dealt with all walks of cultures, understanding implicitly your counterpart is key to success. Muhammad says, relationship is good as well as problematic. If the point of concern is business vision and objective of a firm, the relationship may work uh, as team efforts. Um, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm misstating that, but Muhammad, thank you for sharing. Jenny Froome, great to have you. Better late than never. Great to have you here from South Africa. Uh, Peter also says he likes the line in the epic movie, The Longest Day, hold the line until relieved. Yeah. Hold the bridge, maybe, until relieved. Mark says, in God I trust all others. Bring That's data. Right. Don't yeah. fool yourself. <laughs> so, no kidding. Finally, yes. from Azalea, there's lots of the comments we're not going to get to here today, but the pandemic has definitely taught me to value relationships and community. We truly have to live on a day-to-day basis, and it's important to really value people as individuals to reach those goals together. Beautiful. Beautifully said, Azalea. You know, okay. it's interesting, Mike, what you said, particularly in your industry, right? You come out of the grocery industry. Think of how many European chains have kind of forced their way into the States only to be beaten back mm-hmm. by the, the American consumer just months or even just a few years later. And a lot of those decisions occurred because they didn't listen to their people on the ground in the States right. or to their dissenters in their own organizations. I, I can't even name all of them that have, have ha, where that's happened. It's funny just because you're, you know, I remember your history in the grocery industry that when you said that, that culture of not questioning leadership, uh, it made me think of so many of those situations and, and some who have been very analytical naturally the Germans, right? Those who have been very analytical, they've ceased to try and take over the world with, with armor. They're now they're doing it with SAP and grocery stores. So, and quite successfully, I might add with Lidl and Aldi, right. And other chains, but they analyzed very carefully what helped companies succeed and sustain or more often European chains to fail and, and have listened to their constituency in their target countries as well. So agreed. All right. A lot of good stuff there. So much, uh, so much good takeaway. And Mike, I'll tell you, out of all the conversations we've ever had, I didn't realize you're such a, uh, as, as he's illustrated, uh, a military history buff. And movie buff. Well, right? that too. But man, to, yeah. to lay out the geography and the scenarios yeah. and the officers involved and what was at stake, Greg, I'm pretty impressed. That's um, Mike's book. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, a couple of I want to share one comment here. One, you know, talk about sports. 
Peter, <laughs> go Denmark, go semifinal versus England, uh, Greg. I just got off a call with a friend from England. He was headed to Fado in in uh, downtown Atlanta, and he said, bring it home, which is the classic way the English say win, right? Yes. <laughs> I didn't let him know that my people are Danish on the call, so I hope he's not watching. I'm sure well, I, certainly he's not. I, I was on the phone with um... – with one of our uh, UK analysts in sourcing, and he let me know even with some of the challenges they're having with COVID in London, there's going to be sixty thousand uh, fans at Wembley Stadium. Wembley, yeah. So it, yeah. it will be quite. Uh, I'm not a football slash soccer fan, but that environment would be pretty exciting. It is. Me, I would think. In any sized place, it it really is. They are hardcore hooligans, as they are called. <laughs> we also uh, are featuring. Uh, we've got Mike's colleague here, Korai Kose, who says a great, great comment here. Don't mm. just give in to culture, but be a part shaping it. Amen. Love exactly. that, Korai. I hope this finds you well where you are. John Martinez, great to have you back from, I think, San Antonio, shares a General MacArthur quote, a general is only as good or bad as its soldiers on the ground. John, excellent point there. Okay, so on a much, uh, on a harder-hitting Hollywood topic, Greg, <laughs> Holiday. Very hard hitting. <laughs> so I tell you, and of course, tongue firmly planted in cheek, but we're all big fans of the late, the great, the gone well, way too soon, Chris Farley. We watch a lot of his um, documentaries uh, kind of on all the different things he did at such a short-lived life. And he made so many people uh, smile and, and laugh all along the way. So one of the, those movies certainly is part as a Gen Xer, Tommy Boy, that I think stems from 1994. We, we kind of leapt ahead a little bit in our Hollywood history. But Greg, uh, Mike, Greg has been quoted numerous times as saying, let me get this right here. Let me get this right. He says, everything you've ever needed to know about sales, you could learn from Tommy Boy, end quote. So Greg, tell us more. Yes, the greatest sales training movie of all time, of course. And, and I don't know if you know, if you know this, but there are also some incredible attributions to supply chain in, in there. For instance, the great quote, well, I could get a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking my head up a bull's, oh, wait, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but I'd rather ask the butcher's word for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a great movie. And, and I, I mean that in all seriousness, by the way. I mean, you know, my serial co-founder, Bobby Cochran, and I, we exchanged Tommy Boyd brilliance on topics like development and supply chain and sales and, and other matters, a great, great philosopher. Yes. I mean, if you think about it, he was the idiot son, right? A lot of people go to college for seven years. They're, they're called doctors. Um, but he was the idiot son of a very successful and, and charismatic leader from Callahan Auto Parts. I feel like I should have been wearing my Callahan Auto Parts shirt. And and yet he grew and he evolved into finding himself and his own groove, his own approach to sales and and to becoming excellent at what he's done. And I think that, you know, if you think about it, so many of us came into supply chain. So many of us of our generation, the Gen Xers, right? We came into supply chain without formal. Sorry, Paul Noble is very excited about what we're talking about. <laughs> So we came into supply chain kind of growing our knowledge of supply chain, right? We didn't know there was a shark, so we didn't know what to do about the shark. We kind of discovered what supply chain was about. 
And this evolution of Tommy Boy in the sales process, in the profession, in the managing of business, it really is, if you if you get beyond the idiocy of the comedy, which is, by the way, hilarious, There, if you sit back and think about it philosophically, there are a lot of life and professional lessons in there, right? He does talk about relationships. He treats people very, very well. He's respectful, but yet cunning in outwitting the great uh, Mr. Zelensky and trying to get his company and keep his company alive. Yes. Tommy just sold a half a million brake pads. <laughs> Tommy just sold a half a million brake pads. <laughs> so, so much to talk about, but two, two quick, quick observations and Mike and welcome yours is number one. Look, even though he had the family pedigree, he didn't have the the functional and the uh, the, the the academic or the professional pedigree. But still, he found his way, and he did. He went on to do big things. And there's, I think, there's less leadership lessons learned there, regardless of who, who's listening to this, and regardless of what your walk and and journey in life is. Man, keep grinding, and you can break through. And I think that's really important. I think it's also important as folks that. Um, that play a role in facilitating leadership experiences and, and promoting and, and selecting leaders and promoting leaders and, and empowering leaders. You know, you never know where success is going to come from and, and, and it can come from maybe where you're uh, least expecting it. So that's really important to know. And on a, on a lighter note, as we've said time and time again, it's really important to maintain a healthy sense of humor as we get through these challenging times we live in. But Mike, Tommy boy, any, any big lesson learned there for you? Yeah, I, I think Scott, I'll just build on what you said. I mean, you, you never know where your next great idea or your next great associate is going to come from. If we could predict that, you know, we wouldn't be on this call. We'd be, you know, we'd be on a yacht somewhere sunning ourselves. <laughs> you, you just don't know where it's going to come from. So to your point, Scott, it's important that you cultivate an environment where, where that can happen and where that can happen organically. Whether that, and we're seeing a lot in, in our research now in this area around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how do you broaden you know, your candidate pools? How do you broaden your teams so that you've got these diverse perspectives, these diverse styles, these different perspectives that people bring from their own life experiences. You know, I think what our research tells us is organizations that cultivate an environment where you have multiple experiences, they're all equally valued from a, from, from a conversation perspective, those organizations are the ones that are going to be succeeding and thriving long-term. Because you just, w with the way, the way people learn today, the way people gather experiences today, it's just so different than it's ever been before. And if you are not open to being a, to to those experiences that others have, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the Tommy Boy type of talent that can actually drive your organization. Well said. Well said. Who who'd have yeah. known? Tommy Boy is a gift that keeps on giving. Mark Preston says, "My son lives in the van down by the river. Soon to be a motivational speaker." <laughs> Jack Foley. Yeah. Jacqueline, Jacqueline Quick Quirk says, "Love Chris Farley, Tommy Boy, Fat Guy in Little Coat, Fat Very Guy." Y'all remember that that scene? Shut John, up, Richard. <laughs> right. John, who was a Yankees fan, John says, "Good message 
to uh, Tommy Boy in Tommy Boy is to never give up, no matter how the odds look. And on that note, I'm going to get these names wrong, but Charles has a great message here. He says, Persean, I think in Greek mythology, our arrows will blot out the sun. And his arch rival, Celios, says, then we will fight in the shade. I love that, Charles. I'm going to go look up the history behind it. And then one final note here from, um, two final notes, one from Bob Bova, being different with different ideas and styles can extend the useful life of existing products and deliver ideas for new ones. Pay attention to those folks. Really important. I think, you know, one of the big lessons of Tommy boy is don't try to be your father. Right. One, right. one of the pivotal moments in that movie is your, is Richard mentoring another good lesson. Find a mentor, Richard mentoring. You will never be your father. Right. But there is something great within you. Find it and exploit it and be your own person. Of course, learn from those before you, but be your own person to find that level of success. Search for your own gifts is the best gift you can give yourself. Well said, Greg. Man, that's a great oh, – a lot, lots of T-shirt-isms today. You've got us ready to run through some the walls behind us. Muhammad also says environment and culture and openness. Peter says diversity in the workplace. Right now it's magic sauce. One day it'll be commonplace. Excellent point there. Okay, so much. And I'm being told that um, the arrows yeah. phrase, that's actually from the movie – 300, which was filmed in Montreal. How about that? All right. So we've covered so much. It's been so much fun that the, the hour's gotten away from us. I uh, really appreciate uh, the idea for this conversation here today, Mike, yeah. and love how everyone played right along. Appreciate everyone's comments. So tell us, Mike Griswold with Gartner, what does uh, the, your organization have coming up next from, say, an event standpoint? Yeah, we're getting we're getting close to event season. We've had, as I think we've talked about, some some changes in a couple of the venues and the format. So, we were doing an event. Uh, our first uh, supply chain symposium of this year was going to be in Barcelona. Then we moved it to London. We've now moved it to a virtual event, which is September 13th through 15th. Still, still really geared though towards that European time zone. And then everything still uh, marching towards in-person event in Orlando, October 25th through 27th. So that will be our North American supply chain um, event. Uh, hope to see people there. Um, it's in, as I said, Orlando. So that's our, everyone's keeping our fingers crossed that we can get, you know, a couple thousand supply chain professionals there to join us. Wonderful. One of the places yeah. to be certainly in October. Look forward to getting uh, more information on that, Mike, uh, in the weeks and months sure. ahead. So, Mike, really enjoyed your perspective and, and our conversation here today. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. So what's the best way for folks to reach out and compare notes? So uh, Mike.Griswold, Gartner.com. I am, I think some people will attest to this. I am getting better at LinkedIn I'm actually responding to people. I'm actually posting some things. Um, I would say if, if I were to apply uh, Gartner's five-stage maturity model to my LinkedIn prowess, I'm still probably you know, late stage one, early stage two, but I am working on it. So I'm better at responding via LinkedIn. So those would be the two best places for us to interact. That's fantastic. Wonderful. And we're, we're getting reports from the field, Mike, that you are indeed progressing in, in your LinkedIn journey. <laughs> I, th so. I think you've probably got some easy graders, but I appreciate that. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, Mike, I think the more people get to hear your point of view, the better off we all are. I mean, that you know, you've done it. 
now you observe it and analyze it and guide people through it. And I think the more that we can hear from, from you, the faster the, the craft progresses. So uh, thanks, Greg. I, I, Greg, I appreciate that. Agreed. Agreed. And who knows what's right around the corner for the one and only Mike Griswold. But at least right now, we, we really enjoy uh, the last hour here, your monthly appearances with us and all of what you've shared. We get it in the, the feedback and the comments. And of course, our LinkedIn inboxes and beyond fills up too. So Mike, really appreciate it. All the best. Uh, hit them straight in your next round. And uh, we'll see if your British Open, the Open, projections are accurate next month, perhaps. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Much, Mike. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. And of course, that was Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Greg, yeah. man, that was fun. We need to we need to uh, come up with more themes for these conversations. You know, it, it, I think it's challenging, Greg, especially when you have a, a guest, you know, once a week or once a month or what have you, to kind of reinvent the conversation. Uh, I love the the Hollywood theme today, huh? Yeah, I think you know, I think that's a great example of what we were just talking about. Turn you know, use your affinity, use your gifts to translate that into knowledge in your chosen field of work, right? And, you know, I, I'm not kidding. I have literally used Tommy Boy as a sales training vehicle, right? For better or worse, I guess it was better salesman up. But I think that, there, you know, that's the intent of entertainment is to not only entertain, but also to inform and educate to some extent. And even in a slapstick comedy like Tommy Boy, there are lessons in there. When I say slapstick, I mean that literally because he literally gets hit with a board in the movie. So if you haven't watched Tommy Boy, just, yeah. It's, do I have a mark on my face? Somewhere around Not here. here. Not here or here so much, but here. Nope. Uh, but Don't think. You're right. You're, you're right. And in that same scene, of course, where he convinces the restaurant owner to find, find him some chicken wings from scratch. Right. And there's so many, we could go on forever, but yeah. I agree with you, Greg. And, and it's, it's being open-minded to, to really find those little, little eureka moments or big ones from all aspects of your journey. It's really important, old and new. I want to share something. So yeah. I, it dawned on me a second ago that Peter and Mark Preston are two of our five presenters that are part of this mini master academy, mini, mini master class that we're having here in the late June. And uh, Amanda, if you can make sure that link is clickable that Peter shared, this is free to attend. So folks, a couple of questions we get all the time is, hey, how can I advance in my career, supply chain and otherwise, or how can I find a job? So what our team has set off to do in this first webinar here is to create a panel of folks that can really address and offer best practices to answer both of those questions. Mm -hmm. So it's free to attend. Uh, these, these, these uh, panelists and our team has given, has created about a three hour event because we wanted to you know pack in as much as we could in a very practical manner. Uh, we're going to cover, you know, Peter's going to talk about general lessons, leadership lessons to advance your career that are, that are truly timeless. We've got Mark, and, and, and a colleague of mine going to be talking about uh, professional or uh, continuous improvement, which is also timeless and real practical tools and, and best practices there for really you know, being a continuous improvement leader. And then we're going to wrap with one of the leading recruiters in global supply chain today, and that is Rodney Apple. And mm. Rodney is going to be offering some suggestions about how to work with a recruiter. I imagine they're going to, he and his colleague are going to touch on resumes and, and just the relationships that can help you find jobs and, 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 and the like. So folks, it's free to join. 
no matter where you are in your career, you're going to find some uh, real nuggets uh, for advancement. And big thanks to Peter and Mark and the rest of the panelists that have given up their time on that afternoon, early evening to give back and give forward. So Peter, thanks so much for reminding me. I've got to add that image to my image uh, library. Okay. So Greg, his book these days, you know, I think that's set to be published any day now. And, and Greg's asking about Rodney Apple's book, right? You know, when you're, careers, I think is that yes. I mean, what could be more appropriate, right? Hey, when you're when you're in one of the best of your biz, uh, best when you're one of the best in your industry, um, you know, folks are certainly clamoring for the written word behind your success. Uh, so, I think the book being published is right around the corner. Great question. Yeah, we and, talked about that at Modex with him. Yes, right? agreed. It's been a long time coming. Yes, Crystal Davis, that was the uh, professional, and Crystal, of course, has been been on with Greg and I oh, numerous yeah. times. She is a uh, talk Buckle about been there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. She is a wonderful person yeah. to learn from. Yeah, so no doubt. her and Mark Preston on the same same session, that's going to be home run stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, Greg, I'm going to give you, of all we talked about here today, and you know, one of the things we, we can't leave, we have uh, our newest team member, Jada Carson, in the green room. She's been one of the, the coordinators, the production coordinators here today in her first week. we got to give her a shout-out and a big thumbs-up. We're excited um, about all that she brings to the table, all her talents. And yeah, and, and Allie is now running this aspect of it, right? As we move Clay more and more to biz dev. So, yes, that's a great call out, Greg. Allie, I'll tell you, while Jada is new to the team and, and it's been, she's already made her mark early, you know, we've been fortunate to work with Allie now for right around a year. And she joined our team um, officially after graduating from UGA and, and talk about a, a, microwave instantaneous contributor kind of like vinnie johnson with the detroit pistols oh, back yeah. in the late 80s was yes, the, the microwave, microwave. yeah was his nickname <laughs> that's there might be it might be a new nickname for you get hot in about three seconds that's right instant contributions we love that yeah. okay but greg so big thanks to jada amanda yeah. and ali behind the scenes but what was yeah. your if folks listen to one thing you mike and i or any of the comments in uh, from the skyboxes said here today, what would that be? Don't count on your plan. I, I mean, I really think that's it. Don't, you know, he, he talked about demand sensing and your plan and all that sort of thing. Of course you want to sense and predict demand and, and events as much as possible and then plan for that. But you also want to plan for those things that could happen that are not eteris paribus, right? All other things being equal because all other things are never equal in supply chain. And I think that is the key message here is, you know, to grossly oversimplify it in supply chain, expect everyone to fail at you and, and provision for it. Mm. I really think that if you, if you can do that within reason, of course, you can't predict everything. But if you can have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C and you build your supply chain for resilience and resilience really means with a risk balancing mentality, not a cost saving mentality, those are the things you need to take away. Yeah, well said. I got to brush up on my French as always. Every time we sit down, Greg, I'm just kidding. That's Latin. I, <laughs> I, I gotcha. Um, you almost but, had me there. <laughs> but folks, wide ranging and fun conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I have. Hey, uh, join us, join us for these webinars. 
you know, come and be heard, bring your voice, you know, that we want to find yeah. ways more and more to facilitate real conversations. We'd love all the comments and takes we heard today throughout the live stream. I uh, appreciate y'all being part of the journey. Hey, find more of all of this stuff, webinars, live streams, podcasts, special events at supplychainnow.com. But most importantly, out of all the stuff you heard here today, a lot of good stuff, both from the panel and from the comments. Hey, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.